Free Your Mind is a podcast show that covers a range of topics from buzzing media headlines, hot trends on social media space, music, and social issues. Myself and a group of co-hosts will meet to give our hot, sometimes unfiltered opinions on and takes on these issues. We are hosted by the Gold Coast Report. Find us on your favorite podcast player and follow us on Twitter at GCR Free Your Mind and on Instagram at The Gold Coast Report. We also have a website, thegoldcoastreport.com, where you can find other podcasts on our network. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Free Your Mind. My name is Komo. We are back again this week. And um, Charlie, I have three um, guests on the podcast today. It's just me. My eyes a bit busy. And um, I have three people on this podcast. So before we get into the main topic for discussion today, I'll let them introduce themselves. So, um, Prince, if you could start. Um, my name is Prince Ganaku. Um, I'm a student at the Ghana School of Law. I'm a freelance researcher for for anybody who can afford my services. And yeah, my handle is Prince Ganaku. My my name as well. So yeah, okay. All right, Tego. Um, my name is David Tego. I'm a student of the Ghana School of Law, an entrepreneur looking to be an investor. Um, yes, basically, that's what I do for now. Oh, okay. All right. Um, okay, so the last one on this episode, Leslie, you go for introduce yourself. Yeah, um, I'm Leslie. I work in a bank, and uh, my handle is Aponchi Diego. Aponchi Diego, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, let's get into straight into the episode. Charlie, the new cycle this whole week has has really changed. Like Charlie, everybody they do COVID and some communities and some election things. Then all of a sudden, was it Thursday? I think it was Thursday, right? Thursday or Wednesday. Yeah. Charlie, we all just get up, then just hit. We say Charlie, the president, the, the former president just died. Right, you're welcome back to the show. This is Newsroom. There's breaking news, and it's that former president, Jerry John Rawlings, just passed at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital in Accra. Uh, very sad news, Joshua. Very, very sad news. But this is news that is just coming in, that former president, Jerry John Rawlings, is dead. And Charlie, this was huge, because, Charlie, we all, as young guys, know that this guy... That's ex-president Jerry, Jerry John Rollins plays like a very integral role in Ghana. Even for people who don't know the details of Ghana's political journey, at least they know the name J.J. Rollins. And Charlie, um, the podcast really, Charlie, we, 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 we decided we need to talk about this for our young listeners and all our other guys. We need to epitomize this guy. So I got these people to talk about. But Charlie, it's, it's been a whole three days or four days of this. And Charlie, the whole news, everybody, they talk about him, what the role he play, everything he do and everything. So Charlie, we are here to talk about flight lieutenant 
Jeremiah John Rollins. Prince, let me ask you this. I guess JJ means a lot to you. And um, I want to find out personally, Charlie, what's, what's the guy they mean to you, you personally? Rollins epitomizes most of what I think leadership in Africa should be. I think that um, because of our special economic circumstances, um, the, the, the role of leaders here is more, um, I would say patriarchal, but not in, in the way that um, it is common, the word is commonly used these days. They are more like fathers who are supposed to provide for their people. You have, you have a country where majority of the people are exceedingly poor. And when you're the kid, when you're the, the president of a, a country as large as ours, it's very, very easy, or a territory as large as a country, it's very, very easy for you to um, focus on like the macroeconomic stuff and, you know, always the bigger picture. But if you, if, if you whittle it down, we are still very much stuck on bread and butter issues. And many people are still trying to find their way. And for Rollins, it was all about that. Like it was all about that um, end goal. Like what can I do to ensure that my people are good? You know, what can I do to ensure that my people are good? It's, it's not about all the other stuff. All the other stuff, they are supposed to all go for this one goal. And from a very, very young age, um, I learned that this was who this man was about. And that informed my politics. That is what made me want to go to Achimota school. And even when I started to read political philosophy and all of those things, it's, I read it through that lens. You get it. And I think that it, it still informs much of our politics these days. If you, if, if you pay attention to campaigns, things are not about ideologies. They are about what is going to put food on, on, on the table. What's, yeah. what set of policies or what set of programs are going to put food on the table. So for me, that's what he meant. That, that's what the person meant to me. And till today, since I was young until now, the most important thing to me, the most important quality to me in any person is that they are considerate and that they are compassionate. Those two things are the most important to me. And I, I, I would say that long before I knew the details of what was right from wrong, you know, would have influenced that a, a great deal yeah okay all right so um jumping on one of the few things you said about um they just speaking for the the local man or speaking for the bread and butter man leslie i want i, yeah. I, I want to ask you this i mean i'm i'm allowed to say this everybody knows this you are um pro ndc everything is no, no friends yeah yeah no, no I'm okay okay ah. cool Okay, so CPP. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Nkrumahist. Yeah. Okay, so so you are an Nkrumahist. I I guess Rollins stems from that socialist thread, right? Okay, well, I've been mean, granted the whole reason why '79 went through was they were pushing a certain socialist, um, how do you call it, ideology. When when you ask those people who met him earlier on, even in '81, they are Katapores and Dramatic case and all of those people, they they said Rollins exuded a certain social socialist, um, how do you call it, socialist um, demeanor. You being an Nkumaist, I mean, um, and me saying Rollins is coming from that trade. I want to know how personally you are, you like you 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 dealt with the news when it came out. 
how you felt when you heard the ex-president was no more? Well, to be honest, when people who are not very close to me die, I don't really feel it like that. Okay. I'm being very honest. Okay. So it's a thing of indifference. It's a thing of indifference for you. Okay. Let me, let me find out. Do you think he's a socialist? Looking at, looking at. He's not. Oh, okay. I don't think he is. And and what what informs that region? I'm, I I don't want to put into perspective what is happening now because I think that the world of ideologies, personally, that socialist, yeah. communist, and everything has really changed. I think after the Cold War and the breaking of the Berlin Wall, everybody is more um, how do you call it? What's the name? Um, capitalist now. Because, but looking at his past life, do you think he exuded some socialist ideologies personally? I won't say he executed socialist ideology, but I think um, I think Rollins is a man of many things. But um, I also think he's a contradiction of himself in the sense that um, he preached a lot of social. But in terms of his governance, I think no government no government has undergone more privatization than Rollins during his tenure. Okay. So I don't see how he can be a socialist hero. What I think is um, years after Nkrumah was born. Well, Ghanaians began to realize that what Nkrumah was actually doing was what, what was the best for our country. So they started searching for Nkrumah, or they started looking for another Nkrumah. And Rollins seemed to have that charisma, that no-nonsense attitude and all that. And I think that that's what got him so much support. But in terms of his actual governance, I don't think there's much resemblance between him and Nkrumah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um... I would put what Leslie said a bit on hold because I have still not talked to David Tego. David Tego, I they want your overall um, comments so far on this issue. Then we go, we go, we go pick what um, Leslie said and then dissect. Like I want, I want to know your overall comments on 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 what's happening so far. Um, I'm still in the moment that Rollins is no more. Uh, a part of me doesn't believe that he is going to attend the Christ the King. Each time I close the school, has opened the flags at the house and the John Ford memorial site. So I wondered why this memorial site was, and I was told, you know, it was part of uh, things that you can attribute to Jerry Rollins as the memorial site of Ford. The family I grew up in, it's, it's been divided because the people who Suffered under Rollins, who is in the Rollins, people who served in this government and who are currently serving the NDC. But it's, it's a mixture of a lot of things. But all in all, I think what I what I personally from Rollins is that he's one of the most charismatic leaders we've had in a very long time. I could boldly say that Mr. Kruger probably pitched him and Kufo's science as the name Rollins attaches so many things, you know, return to multi-party democracy and to the revolutionary rule. Um, he stood for many things, you know, stood for many things. So that is what I would personally attach to Jerry Rollins. Okay. He was he's actually the first president I can recall. Yeah, so um Bouncing off of what David said, I think we are going to go into the main issue. I mean, it is it is facts that um, he epitomizes an era, which I would even divide into three parts. There's the the military era, 
then there's the democratic era, and then there's the stability era, which came after democracy. You want, some people are divided on these three areas. Some people feel that um, we don't we, we, we don't need to give him the accolades of political stability. Some feel we don't need to give him the accolades of democracy. And even with the military power, some feel he coming back um, in 81 wasn't worth it. Now that single interesting event, I want I want to your takes, Prince, because you have sort of like a if I am allowed to say a court vision of this man, you adore him. Do you think 1981 was necessary to the discourse of, of progress in this nation, given what he said he would do when he came into power and what the current government at that time wasn't doing? That is a that is a it's a complicated question to answer. And I will start off by saying that my personal opinion is no. Right? Yeah. But what a reasonable a reasonable opinion is that can be, and you can have a lot of reasonable opinions. Another reasonable you can have a number of reasonable opinions flowing from what the facts were at the time. Mm-hmm. So just to plug into um the, the background or the context that you gave mm-hmm. between 77 if my memory serves me my memory of the books serve me correctly between 77 and 79 mm-hmm. a coup was actually imminent the senior officers knew it they knew that the junior officers and the rest of the country were disgruntled mm-hmm. it was one of the things that um, um drove a champions unigov campaign and ultimately proved to be his downfall true I remember in one of the books that I read, a champion was at a meeting, uh, was addressing the junior officers, and he 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 foreshadowed his he, he foreshadowed it. He said they shouldn't allow people to turn the junior officers against the senior officers. So there was a very uneasy sort of situation in the country. And why was this uneasy situation in the country? First, if my memory serves me correct, but you can can correct me if I'm wrong. A champion had a policy of not paying debts, right? Yeah, Inchia, exactly. I had a policy of Inchia. Yeah. Yes. And that resulted in, I think, certain sanctions that also fed into the shortage of Forex because we weren't exporting as much and we we're importing so much. And we said we weren't going to pay. And our the Western powers said, okay, fine. Then you'll see, right? So there's a shortage of Forex. The shortage of Forex meant we couldn't import essential commodities, which means that you had a shortage of things like soup and food and sugar and sardines and, and all of that, right? So there was already a shortage in the country. People were hungry. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Achampon government giving import licenses to their cronies who would then resell these import licenses to other people. And those people, because they bought the import licenses at such a high price, would import food or import these essential commodities and then price it high. Rollins breaks away from his his... his colleagues and attempts to do it because he's impatient he's impatient mm-hmm. he gets caught he gets imprisoned mm-hmm. he is um he's locked up he gives this whole speech about taking responsibility and he should let his men go and he, he details exactly what is so repugnant about what a champion and um um you know the smc1 smc2 were doing and what the situation was like in the country so imagine you are the common man you you, mm-hmm. you have no access to food you can't afford anything and you are seeing how big these army officers are living in the country and how big their their friends are are living. You are angry. 
Rollins gives this speech. The whole of University of Ghana is on his side. The whole country is on his side. Then he's imprisoned. He's broken out by the people that he was supposed to do the coup with in the beginning. They break him out. And then it goes from there. Now, in the three months after he was broken out, they introduced price control. These are the important things that happened. They introduced price controls. They said, we don't care how much you bought the stuff for. We don't care what it is. This is the situation in the country. You have to sacrifice for everybody else. And so you will sell these things at these prices, these commodities at these prices. The response to that, the people who were selling the goods at the high prices, because they didn't want to make losses, they hoard these things in warehouses. They lock them up. So none of us have ever lived through a situation like this. Do not consider this to be one of those economic downturns during Muhammad's time. This is not something, this, this is nothing like that. Picture the scenes that happened in Nigeria where they were hiding COVID relief items. This is closer to Palutes. a situation like that. Yes, yes. Palutes, yes. <laughs> this is closer to a situation like that, right? Yeah. They enter price controls. They force, they literally force inflation down. And then they, 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 they introduce certain mechanisms to stop the smuggling. They said you, because of the inflation, you couldn't withdraw more than a certain amount of money. So, so, so to reduce the amount of cash in the system, you couldn't withdraw a certain more than a certain amount of money a day. You understand. If you're a businessman, you had a, these people went into the warehouses, they broke down the warehouses and ensured that they shared the food for everybody. You understand. Then a uh, military rule ends. The Liman government comes back. And because there is, and I'm not, I'm not making any value judgments. I'm just narrating history, right? Mm -hmm. But because the a democratic government does not have the power of arbitrariness that a military government has, the old established order comes back. People start hoarding food again. There is now a famine starting. The inflation rate shoots up again. And the common people are crying once again. And Rollins is in the background. And he was in, in his mind, he's like, ah, by the time where we become, we manage to do this thing quick, 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 quick. So if you read the history within its context like this, mm -hmm. you realize that it is a complicated question as to whether or not 1981 was necessary. Because on the one hand, you say that, well, allow democratic institutions to figure it out because this is what the people voted for. And that's the side that I am on. But at the same time, I cannot pretend to, I cannot pretend that I do not see reason in the other side of the argument. Because when you read the history books, they present both perspectives and you have to take a stand one way or the other. I take my stand where you could stand. But I cannot sit here and pretend like I cannot see the reason. Because if I see what happened in Nigeria and I say this is what is happening in Ghana now, would I welcome something like that? Or would I not welcome something like that? That's a complicated question. It's not an easy question to answer. Yes. You understand? So, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's where I stand on it. Okay. So I, I don't think it was necessary, but I can see. I can, I can see. It. Okay. I personally, per what you've given us, feel that 79 was necessary, but 81 wasn't necessary. I guess... Also, like you looking at the chain of events, Rollins handing over to power and letting Liman know that he'll be supervising him, which was like a wrong move in the first place. I guess that based on that and testimonies from other people, I think Rollins felt he could do this better than Liman. So from the get go, he knew he would come back. <laughs> Personally, that's how oh, I let me not go no. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, that's how I feel. That, yes, 
which you are entitled to feel. But I think that, you know, sometimes I keep telling people that history is sometimes written in the, in the lens of whoever is nasty. Mm -hmm. And whatever you tell us want us to know is what we know because you and I oh, were not there. True. They have they've been different, they've been different accounts. I would say purely on the judicial and the economic aspects of Liman's government. Mm -hmm. People fail to realize that Liman's government is the only government to date that his budget was rejected. And you your budget being rejected by people in your party doesn't mean that they don't like you. It just shows your incompetence. So I think that's not even justify the, the, the coup, but we should look at what was happening in 81. Why was Lehman's budget rejected? What was happening? What was the economic downturn? You know, I think that at the end of the day, I feel everything is everything boils down to economy. What's happening in the economy would determine the mood of the nation. If the economy is bad, people will not people will clamor for different things. And if they've seen in 79 some respite clearly people will clamor for it if they feel like a democracy is not going anywhere they'll clamor. so food for thoughts what was the economic situation i think in a champion's time at some point after the whole kalabuli incident which kalabuli is holding on the food which was another reason why everyone is killed i think we have a stable economy i think there was uh it's had some money to invest in some houses in that soman and sakumono during a champion's time Rolling came, trying to structure the economy from a military standpoint, which you know was, wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. But like I said, we had an issue with the economy, and what created some people to dislike Rolling was that the values of currencies that they felt that Champions cronies were enjoying in which Lehman couldn't put stop to it. So they developed some currency. So that was, I mean, that also agitated people in the, in the society. But like I said, from an economy standpoint, I don't think we're doing well in both areas, you know, so, mm -hmm. because right after the world, we had a structure adjustment program. We had the policy with IMF, with Kosi Boche. And there was a reason for that. And there was a reason why we had some professionals back in the coup, not to justify coups, but, you know, were painting a rosy picture that things were, no, things were not well in 81 with Liman. Things were not well at all. Things were stable, but things were not well. So, Ganaku like said, from that, from that point of view, yes, that is why people come out for the coup, you know, but clearly, and then the year, you need to just suppose the next effects of it, which hasn't saved as well as we speak. So. Okay, so, um, bearing off of what you just said, um, I remember, I remember from history um, when 1981 happened, um, JJ promised himself that he's prepared to face a firing squad if what he should try to do for the second time in his life does not meet the approval of Ghanaians. This was also because at that time that he took over, as Tego said, there was economic issues. Leslie, quick one. Yeah. Do you feel that the reason why he came to um, overtake or overthrow the government, which was mainly economic issue, do you think that he himself as a president was able to resolve that in his old tenor? Because if you look at our, 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 our um, period from Republic till now, he, is, he almost um, occupies almost a quarter of 
or less than a quarter of so that more than, more than a quarter of that 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 period taking out military um and periods and everything do you think that in the period of 19 years three months he was able to do that before he stepped out of office well i think rollins did better than the man was doing or a champion his people were doing for that i agree but my issue is you see when um you overthrow a government because you claim the economy is not doing well i find that problematic it shows that the democracy is weak because there should be a way I try and say if you get a president and he's messing up, we are stuck with him for four years. It should be a way of getting the president out. And I don't believe our current system provides such a way, which means that we are still prone to having more. But um, I also don't believe that it was just a matter of economic problems. Because, you see, Rollins was now a former head of state. A 32-year-old man, former head of state, what's he going to do with the rest of his life? Well, you can't, you can't go and work anywhere. You are stuck. You have to be home for life, writing books, starting a foundation or something. And there were serious problems. Also, I don't think um, Rollins was given what he deserved when he left power in terms of security and some other things. And they made his life difficult. There were, I don't know if you know, but there were attempts on his life. I think um, fundamentally there's a, class, a problem in Africa. When, um, there's a class struggle. Mm-hmm. It's like the poor versus the rich. Mm-hmm. And at any point in time, it's like, if the rich are benefiting, the poor people are suffering. When the poor benefits, the rich suffer. And Rolls's period was basically he trying to fight for the poor and and eventually it caused you know some rich people to suffer. But I think sometimes he went too far. However, when you look at um, 79, the execution of the generals, a champon, a kufu, all those guys, you know, they were very powerful people, very influential. Yeah. And there were people who benefited from their reign. So when Rollins and Co left power, I don't know if you know, but Boachigan and others left the country. Yeah. Rollins stayed. Yeah. And yeah. so these powerful people were still after him. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to kill him. They made several attempts, which failed and all that. So Rollins was... He found himself in an insecure, you know, state. And then when Iman also came, there were certain things he did that were against um, the June 4th revolution. You see, certain properties were confiscated, which the Liman governments give back to the owners. Mm-hmm. And people were not satisfied. They felt like some of those were stolen. Some of those people uh, were corrupt. They have stolen money and bought those houses, those cars and stuff that were given back. So there was dissatisfaction. And there's also evidence to show that the other ranks, the lowest people in the army, mm-hmm. were still not satisfied. And they felt the army had to come back. And they were already plotting to take over from Liman. Okay. They only involved Rollins. Yeah. And I don't know if you can imagine people who haven't been to secondary school and stuff. I mean, the other ranks in the army taking over the country. The bloodshed would have been more, mm-hmm. there would have been no proper economic plan, it would have been messier than whatever happened during Rollins' period. So I think it's the problem was our inability as a country to build a proper system, a proper democratic system. Mm-hmm. Because if the system is not working and we are stuck in it, the only way out is a coup. 
You can't always say, let's wait for four years, let's wait for four years. <laughs> so what I think we need to do is to build a proper system, not to not to keep arguing about coups and I for me I'm fed up with this. So <laughs> but yeah, I think Rollins, it's understandable. I mean, when you look at what he was also going through mm. and what the country was going through, okay. um, also, he also the atmosphere to justify Rollins' actions. I mean, look at text first December, that's when he was overthrown, the last day of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You're a president. You couldn't get a budget passed for the next year. How is the country going to survive in January? So there were so many things. You are people are trying to kill the guy. You are not giving him enough security. He's complaining. You are ignoring him. And he's even getting information that um, people in your military intelligence are behind the attempts on his life. So you ignoring him confirms his suspicion or whatever he's been told. It's, it's not just a simple issue of Rollins getting up and deciding the man's not doing enough, let's get him out. I think there are so many factors that led to it. But I also think Rollins can be blamed for it because they they handed over to Liman. Mm-hmm. They should have created a proper system to, uh, for Liman and Co to inherit. But the system failed and he came over and came to me. And he came to take over trying to fix it. But in the end, I don't think he also left us with a good system. The funny thing, I guess, um, Prince, before you came in, let me just, he was talking about the fact that, and he he poses a a very interesting uh, perspective to this whole conversation because a lot of times, a lot of us rely on history to, uh, because we weren't there to place in our facts. As I said earlier, the significance of the dates, right, of the second coup, but Leslie gives a different perspective which sometimes I think was also possible because of the fact that um, Rollins played a very significant role prior to the elections or prior to the first school, which is 1971. You cannot, you cannot deny how immense he was as a character, how charismatic he was, how he was sort of like a movement of the people. And you, you, you also have to remember that it was in 79 that there was the executions of all these people so it tells the kind of power the guy exudes and then after three months he retires from the military and goes back to his normal life personally as leslie said it places some sort of complicated decision making because i'm sure he could have decided he he wasn't coming back but because of one or two things that were happening to him he would decide to come back to power i'm playing the devil's advocate that it's a thing of power. It's always a thing of power where you felt that you could do this and you pretty much wanted more. But um, Leslie rounds up by saying that he really also didn't do what he wanted to do in the bigger frame of, um, the in the bigger picture, he really didn't end up doing what he wanted to do. Because I think between 81 and 85, I mean, there were also so many coups that he had to block off and all of that. And then right after 81, there was like the famine, like 83 and everything. So yeah, that, that's, that's, that's just been about the legacy of what um, 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 Jerry, Jerry, Jerry executes. I want to go into the last thing, maybe before we end this podcast. Prince, you did it? Yes. Yeah. 
So um, the last thing we can discuss, this one, everybody go talk before you go talk. So in the heat of the I wouldn't moment, have it any other. Okay, no problem. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, before uh -huh. you, like after you introduce it, I'd like to ask a couple of questions even. No problem, no problem. So, so in the heat of the moment, um, Ganaku strings up a, a long thread about um, how people's action sort of validated whatever the uh, military junta in 79 had to do to other people. And um, I, I, I do, I, I'm just um, paraphrasing, but um, this caused some bit of uproar on Twitter. I mean, in the end, he redacted the tweet, retracted the tweet and apologized because he realized it wasn't a thing of, um, I think some people took it. It was a personal thing for some people. I don't know whether you saw that tweet, David. I don't go ask Leslie. Yes. I don't. I don't go ask Leslie because Leslie, you already be controversial guy. So I don't go ask him. <laughs> but you said something. I think from the impulse from what I got from the tweet was that I don't think he necessarily wanted to validate. He wanted to explain the necessity. So it's more of necessity rather than validation, because as a student of the law, as Ganaku is clearly, I mean, he opposed. Uh, military junta because you know in any leadership or any military role you come with bloodshed and bloodshed means you know clearly the fundamental human rights are thrown out of the window so i read the thread i felt the thread was informative i thought the timing of the thread was bad i will not i will not lie because there were already i mean there were this there's teaching on war on people who were visibly affected family member thrown in jail for eight years during the Rollins regime. So, uh, I mean, it was, it will be hard for people. And also, it, was, it will be hard for people to accept the fact that because my father or my mother was involved in petty crime, that my father or my uncle made, the results of his punishment should be death without trial. I think that, that's hard for people, you know, and, and mm -hmm. For all that is said, I can understand why people were upset. I think the timing wasn't right because we need food and we need the entire history, not the brevity. Because I feel like some people only tell one portion when you use them. I think everybody, everybody needs to know every single fact and let the people judge for themselves. Because you don't put across, you don't put the section and say, oh, this person is this person, because um, I feel like people are still coming to terms, you know, the reconciliation community, committee also brought out sort of things. So I, I, I feel his, his timing wasn't the best. But I don't think he was, I think he was trying to necessitate. But when it's, in itself, it's also problematic because clearly the people who felt the cushion have taken effect and stuff. So, yeah, 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 yeah. You said something about reconciliation. I'll put that aside. I'll, I'll treat, I'll, I'll handle that when we discuss the last thing to end the episode. Let's see. You see the tweets? Okay. Yeah, I think I, I saw it, but I didn't finish reading it and then he deleted it. I said I'll come back to it, but when I think it was gone. Me safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess that I guess that the part that rattled people was the fact that um, he was talking about people's grandmothers um getting import license and all of that. And that's facts though. But yeah. I, I no, but you see that's a problem. Um, not to cut you short, you see, not to even cut you short. That's where I, that's the problem I have. Why the literature did that? 
But for you to the import license base, then you probably didn't know. Your grandmother probably didn't tell you. That's why history needs to be told because you are told by something that you know people that were corrupt were in your family. That is not actually so that should be you probably were ashamed. But if the issues, probably his last his last two tweets about why you did that. Yeah. So um, um I mean we are talking about the guy as if he's not here. Prince. <laughs> I hope you are there. Um yes. Yes, yeah, I am. Yes, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Before you, you, I mean, the the part that I didn't really read all the threads, but I think that the part that you said earlier that rattled people was the fact that um, people's grandmothers, and as huge as that statement was, is actually factual because then, I mean, that is a part of history that happened. But actually, you say you get some questions for me, so we really see you. On oh no, the, you've already you've already handled it. I was going to ask. If you read the thread and what's your takeaway from the thread was. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And and <laughs> so so all right. Once again, context is very, very important. Um so now when the whole discussion was when the whole thing was happening on the timeline, right? Mm -hmm. You could um delineate or you could find three groups of people, right? You could find those morning rollings, you could find those celebrating his, his death, and then you could find those who didn't care either way, right? Yeah, I'm listening now. Celebrating people who are mourning, it became a thing of why are you celebrating when people are mourning? And those who are celebrating were justifying their celebrations with the fact that Rollins has done XYZ to their family members. Okay, now the freezing of that suggests that Rollins is in the ilk of Idi Amin or Mao Zedong or those other dictators who personally order the genocide or the pogroms or the, the murder of like countless, countless, countless of their, you know, their, their citizens, right? Mm -hmm. And then you you had the middle grounders saying, look, get, get out your you are, you are happy, but come on, like read the room. It's just a few hours after his death. And there are people who love the man on the timeline. And so slowly, at least from my perspective, the conversation started shifting towards the lines of how can you mourn such an evil man? Do you know what he personally did, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And if you were on my end of the spectrum, it felt like there was something morally objectionable about mourning the man. It, it felt as though it was black and white and they were on the white side with legitimate reasons to sort of dance in your face. And you, could, you couldn't, or rather you shouldn't from a moral standpoint, even have a problem with it. Because after all, this is an evil man. Why do you want to mourn an evil man? It, it, it felt like, like people were celebrating R. Kelly's imprisonment or Idi Amin's death and you had a problem with this. That's how it felt if you were on my side of the, of the aisle. Okay, but as we as we have as we have come to see from the, the conversation today, I'm, I'm really really happy that there has been a um, a balanced discussion today. Mm -hmm. That's not the case, and history is more complex than that. And Rollins's legacy is very 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 complicated. Yeah. Now, to the elite of the time and their descendants, he mm -hmm. was a ruthless and unforgiving dictator, mm -hmm. which is one extreme, but it's not the full picture. And to the working class and the common man. Who is which is which which is everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. He was literally 
and desire. Because if you were a common man and you didn't, like you couldn't eat because somebody living somewhere, a big man living somewhere is overseeing a system where there's a shortage of food and you can't eat. To you, Rollins is a messiah, okay? Makes so, sense. and that is also one extreme, all right? It's not it's not the full picture. Mm-hmm. So why is everybody like living in, you know, their respective bubbles? Because when, when most lay persons, right? And by mm-hmm. most uh, lay persons, I mean non-students of history. Mm-hmm. They will consult one source of history. They will True. take that information. They will run with it. And even worse, they will actively look for information that confirms the biases that they, they, they got from that first source that they, they, they consulted, Amazing. right? Yeah. But that's not how you see, that's not how you read history. To get a full picture, you must consult a number of different sources. And that includes oral tradition. And by oral tradition, I mean what you heard from your parents and your grandparents and, and that. You mm-hmm. consult documented sources. And you isolate what they all agree on as fact. You take what they don't agree on but can coexist together. There are certain bits of information that do not that cannot coexist together. All right. And so you sort of try and find other sources to validate one way or the other. And the, this is this, this is how you read history. All right. And the reason you read history like this, as you all know, is because history, as you have said, is written from per- perspective. Now, this is the perfect example. All right. I'm going to give you the perfect example. This is how I use my Twitter. I tweet for my mentions. I go to the pages of people whose tweets I like, the Smileys, the Ijeris, the Odets, or I search my name or the names of people that I like. So I tweet for my mentions and I tweet from their pages. So from my spot in my mentions, I had like 148 quote tweets and maybe like 50 or 60 replies. And at least 80% of those people were either hailing me or or telling me that I have educated them on the history of this country because they didn't know any of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I had my reasons for deleting the threat because I realized that David Tego will understand this, but in law, when you when you write something or when there's a, a text that has two or more reasonable meanings, it is reasonable for any objective person to take any of the reasonable meanings, okay. right? And I realized that one of the reasonable meanings you could take from my thread was that I was justifying what had happened, which was not my intention at all. Yeah. My intention was to educate, True. was to tell you that oh, this, this, these are the facts. But a reasonable inference to make was that I was justifying. And I realized that there were relationships that were important to me, that those people felt like I was justifying the suffering that they had been through. And so I felt like, let me just delete, all right? If you were not tweeting for my mentions, I'd been bullied into deleting the, the, the thread. And that's surprising to me because like 80% of the people, the mentions that I got were positive. As a matter of fact, some of the negative um, 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 reviews, people had to DM to me. I didn't actually see. So if if both, if both if I had to write a history of that day, I would have my perspective. Mm-hmm. But if somebody else wrote a history of that day, they would have their perspective. You understand? Mm-hmm. But we, we were all on the same timeline and we're mm-hmm. all privy to the same facts. Right, history is written from perspective, so you can't take one one source, read it, and then and then run with it. It's like you want to buy a sewing machine, you go and look at reviews from a single sponsored website. It doesn't work like that. People are money. You are celebrating in front of them in in a way that suggests that you have the morally superior position, but the facts are not as black and white as you think. And if your justification is based on the fact that you think that the facts are black and white, then you are wrong, and this is why you are wrong.
that was the that was the justification for the threat. Okay. Now, now that I have explained it to you, does it seem unreasonable? No, it really doesn't. Me, be, exactly. even before, even before, no, I feel that me personally, as someone who also looks into history, even before this whole thing came erupted on Twitter and everything, the part that caught my mind was the bare fact that a champions regime gave people import licenses. Now, we can assess that there were excesses. That's facts. But the fact remains that yes, that's fact. Some, yeah, some people got import licenses that they were using, and it was sort of like an unfair advantage in the system. Now, as Tego said, it's, it was bad timing, which I agree with. It, which I agree. With. I feel like that was the part that sort of like rattle people because as generalized as that statement is some people's grandparents maybe didn't get that and we cannot prove that some people's grandparents also Fantastic. Got that. that is that is absolutely right Kumo. yeah you but absolutely right I'm so listening. if you read my thread mm-hmm. once i was done with the, the context I, I say this i said there are three groups of people here mm-hmm. all right there are those who are saying rollins personally did something to them and i'm saying that in the vast majority of cases, Rollins merely created an enabling environment for soldiers to take out their personal vendettas on people and yeah. abuse human rights. And for that, he deserves to be held accountable. True. Okay. Now, in in the smaller in the smaller um, um, group of people, Rollins personally ordered their persecution. All right. And for those people, I apologize for the threat. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, for the rest, for the rest, the oh, soldiers, if you, if you had, the soldiers, <laughs> man. For the rest, the uh-huh. soldiers manhandled you mm-hmm. because of a, a, this thing that Rollins created. Mm-hmm. And this is why they manhandle you. I am not saying that they were right to do so. In the same way, for example, I won't stand here and say that lynchings are right. Okay. Yeah, or I won't stand here and say that um, 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 uh, going past due process is right. Mm-hmm. But again, let's go back to the Nigeria example that I gave. Assuming at the end SARS protests, when they found the palliatives, right? Mm-hmm. The People went into the governor's houses and lynched them and tossed their, their bodies somewhere. I can guarantee you that the majority of public opinion would have been with the people and not with the governors. Yeah, tell me true. that I am lying. It's true. It's true. Can anybody on this podcast tell me that NSAS, as the governors and those people were hiding COVID release items, if the people had gotten angry and had gone there and had lynched those people, are you, are you going to sit here and tell me that public opinion would be with the governors and not with the people would be like, oh, it's bad, but ah, well, what did they expect? Yeah. Is true. that not what would have happened? <laughs> so imagine imagine that 30 years from, from now, mm-hmm. the children and grandchildren of those governors mm-hmm. come and say that they were treated unfairly. Yes, they were treated. They would be right. They were treated unfairly because you have to go through due process. You have to take them through the court system and have them imprisoned and all of that. They would be right. But you, with the benefits of context, would be like, hmm, but this is how the thing happened do you understand and it doesn't mean that you are justifying it you're just saying that yes you have a right to feel the way that you feel but feel it knowing all the facts that's all i said you understand i don't mind anybody disagreeing with me i, I actually don't even mind anybody insulting me because i'm a big boy i can handle this stuff right but as long as you are disagreeing with me or insulting me based on a perfect understanding of what i said and not what you think i said you understand because it is what like this is what it is. The facts are the facts. The truth is the truth. And if anybody wants 
me to bring um, um sources like somebody asked me to do i will bring you sources if you want screenshots kumu i've sent you screenshots from the books yeah and if you think that the books are lying you don't have a monopoly of oral tradition i also have a grandfather i also have a grandmother i also have a father mm-hmm. they also told me stories so why do you think that your oral tradition is necessarily better than mine you understand yeah. the best thing for us to do is to understand it from both sides understand the pain that you're going through understand the pain that the people who see Rollins as as a desire understand the pain that they were also going through and and say that what you went through was wrong i understand that what you went through was wrong. and there are people that were totally innocent let me let me just say this i've already mentioned but let me say this once again there are people that were totally innocent and once again i apologize yes. to them Excessive. but for those who are not absolutely innocent mm-hmm. Feel however you want to feel. You are right to feel however you want to feel. But just feel it knowing the facts. That's all. Okay. There is no justification here. Just feel it knowing the facts. That's all. All right. All right. Okay. I also, I also feel like people are not being objective. You see, um, I mean, that's someone, that has always been Twitter arguments. You hardly find someone saying <laughs> the generals who were executed were not taken through due process and all that. But, you see, first of all, you must understand the circumstances under which it happened. They're going to kill Rollins on June 4th. They're going to execute him. Now he took over power. These are powerful military men. What do you do? What do you do to them? Secondly, they were tried. And I don't understand why such, I don't think such a trial should take any long time because look, there's someone who has overthrown the government and has announced on television that yeah, I've overthrown the government, has ruled the country for a number of years. What more evidence do you need to prosecute this guy of treason? And Guachijan made a statement that no one was executed for corruption. All those who were executed were executed because of their involvement in either the 66 or the 72 coup d'etats. And I think that's fair. There's only one punishment for treason. June 4th was, I don't consider it treason because the government that was overthrown was illegitimate. It was a military government, not a democratically elected one. True. And but why um, would you say that? Why would you say that under that logic, then Rollins himself deserves to die? Exactly. Yeah, that is why they yeah. like, they for, <laughs> for eighty-one. That's what I'm saying. That's why in the beginning I said I Rollins, say by that logic, Rollins himself deserves to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why. why that's why I said I think Rollins himself. I think Rollins himself knows he deserves to die. Like, oh, yeah. That's why. That is why. Because he killed. <laughs> that was one and, of the reasons. And, and, I mean, I said the economy. He knows that if he starts yeah, at home, he'll be invited. Yeah. And 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 to note, it wasn't only the president that indemnity cross um, and protected. It protected, protected everybody. Exactly, all of them. And that is one. And that is one thing that you cannot. <laughs> yes, you yeah. cannot. You cannot forgive Rollins for something like that. You can't. You cannot forgive Rollins for something like that. I think that that is why um, the the um, National Reconciliation Commission. Um, was was set up, yeah. and you have to you have to applaud for for that because yes, Rollins oversaw the, our first transition under the 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 Fourth Republic, and we haven't had that in a long. We, I, I, we haven't had that. Had, it, had we ever had that? Government or another? It had never been done. No, yeah, never first, been done. Yeah, was the first person to do that. Yeah. It had never been done. Yeah, from yes, it had never been done, and yes, so Rollins deserves credit for that, but. If before hadn't done what he did in in the year two thousand, perhaps we would have we, we we might have gone into a civil war at some point. We would have we, we we very well could have gone into a civil war at some point. Okay, 
So let's leave you wrap up before we do the last bit and then um, we'll wrap up the. Yeah, so as I said earlier, I think Rollins is a contradiction of himself. Mm -hmm. You came and you executed all those who had overthrown democratically elected governments and then you overthrew the next democratically elected one. He came Mm -hmm. preaching probity and accountability and all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, With this Abacha money, for instance, when he was in office, he denied it. Yeah. I think um, in 2017 or so. Yeah, he, he. I don't remember which year. He said it wasn't 5 million, it was just 2 million. Yeah, I think it was like 2018 yeah, when that happened. And yeah. used there for nationalistic purposes. Mm-hmm. I don't think during his reign he would have spared any former leader who said he used something for nationalistic purposes without stating exactly what he used it for and bringing evidence that yeah, he really spends the money on this. Rollins um, came in at a time where the country really needed an intervention, but I think he wasn't prepared for it. He wasn't. He didn't have what it takes to lead a country. He could identify that, yes, the country needed some form of change, but he didn't have what it took to bring the change. And he got himself in a mess at a point he had to stay in power just to save his own life. Wow, that's an interesting take. Yeah, because he really didn't have what it takes. When someone like, um, take someone like Kwame Nkrumah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Nkrumah into the US to study law, he realized that what he really wanted to do he didn't really need law, you know, he didn't really need steady law. What he needed, um, and so he later he changed to political science mm-hmm. and economics. So he was studying political science and economics together in two separate universities, two different degree programs. Mm-hmm. He actually prepared himself for the task ahead. Rollins, Rollins just had the opportunity, he had a chance to take power, and he took it. But I don't think he really had a clear cut vision because if you look at some of his policies, he was just, you know, bouncing here and there. He starts as a socialist and then he moved to capitalism because the socialism isn't working. He was just doing whatever would work, you know, whatever he thought would help him manage the situation. Okay, let's see. Although he knew that. He knew that if he left power, if he left power, he was going to die. Okay. Okay. They're going to kill him. Okay. All right. Prince, before you come in. in yeah, true, true. Prince, before you come in, because I know you have something to say, I, I think Leslie is gravitating towards what we want to end our um, whole conversation with, which... No, but one thing I also want to say is, okay. there are certain things you can't really blame Rollins for. If you look at how he came to power, mm-hmm. whoever, whoever came to power through that method would have had to deal with the same situations. Look, there was no law and order for... In the early parts, soldiers were doing whatever they wanted. I don't, I don't think anyone, any individual can, under such circumstances, control all the soldiers and make sure they are all doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. However, he was the leader of the government, so he still has to take responsibility for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what you said in the in the last few minutes, kind of like segues into the last part that I want to consider. For everyone we want to talk about the legacy of the ex-president and how posterity will judge him according to the history that we have because looking at it we are posterity too because all of these things that we are saying we weren't there when it happened i mean we are young men we all them we know day 70s all of this was as ganaku said pay account of oral history and then perspective books from people with different perspectives so um to end this episode i would 
I would ask everybody the opinion of posterity judging Jerry John Rollins. Now, before I get into that, I personally feel that Rollins would really have killed this whole judges matter if he had approached the National Reconciliation Commission in a different way, personally. So now I'm giving my, my take on that issue in a way that people would judge him because of those events that would have happened. Now, I, I, hope, I hope I'm right. I, I stand corrected. But when those issues oh, come oh, out... Mika, David Tego, Mika. I don't want to cut you short, but do you recall what happened at the reconciliation when Rollins was there? He was invited on only two issues. You said they, were, they invited him what? Only two issues at the National Re Re Reconciliation exactly. Commission. But they had to continuously invite. You know they had to subpoena him before he appeared mm -hmm. before the, the commission. Yes, yes, they did. But the day that he came, there was a reason why they didn't go ahead. Do you know that? I, I don't know. Let's see, let me know. Yes, because um, events leading to the June 4th, 1978, we all, through history books, mm -hmm. have learned that it was Rollins and others that were involved. Okay. Now, the others that were involved, apart from Kujoli, which he passed away before, Captain Chikata was there. They were all invited. And I felt that the commission... Even before Rollins denied, the commission already had in their minds why they didn't want to go further with Rollins because of the temperature in the country at that time. I think they were very full. I think Professor Dolphine, I've forgotten, I've forgotten all the medals, the but they were very tasteful. Those are, yes, there was a reason why, yes, there was a reason why they needed to end there because the commission already opened the end of for the nation. The import of the commission wasn't to get the full facts, was for everybody to be at peace. And I think if they had the main architect of the coup spilling out a lot of because Captain Chikata had spilled a lot of beans. So I felt I, I felt they were really being tasked with running. I don't think it was running because the time he appeared, he didn't want to finish. But then he was he was there for a period of I think about 10-15 minutes only. And there was a reason for that. Okay, I get you. I get I get where you are coming from. But I want to categorically state that per my view of history, everything I'm giving now now is a personal sentiment. And it's 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 time yes. charged. Yeah. The fact that that's what I'm saying that we want to lean into for how posterity will view his legacy. Because at the end of the day, when we are all old, our kids will have a, a, a very divergent view from what we would have because they wouldn't have lived that experience. We would have lived with the man some we have lived with him for some time. We have seen when he was alive how it, it makes like Michael Jackson. Kiddies they like him, but kiddies only gravitate towards him like the way we the young guys they gravitate towards him. That's why some people if you can't talk say Beyonce be bigger than our answers. If you get where I'm coming from. Oh, that one yeah, just human nature. I understand you, yeah, you but um, like I said, Ronis. Rollins could have helped himself in so many ways. I think his book, I don't know if his book will be published. That, but, that too, that you know, too is he had another a book thing. Coming up. But that too is another thing. I mean... Yeah. So, maybe, so maybe when his book is published, maybe when his book is published, then, Bro, you know, the thing But it doesn't help you that much if you are dead and your book comes out, though. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I understand. I mean, that, I understand. That, that is what I'm saying. I, I, yeah, I'm I feel like in whatever Rollins... In whatever Rollins did, he had an opinion. 
Yeah. Look, the people who hate runs to the court and they are very they are very much justified. They are very much so. Bro, and, and you are not denying that. I'm just saying that these kind of factors, right? So let me just quickly yeah. pick on that. The fact that he had to be subpoenaed to come. Because I feel if he had come and even had spent 10, 15 minutes over there, it would have skewed people's view of him personally. Now, two, the fact that, Charlie, if these things come out, sometimes I, I personally feel that they talk too much. Me personally, I feel that they talk too much. And there are some issues, personally, I feel like he doesn't even need to touch on. Prior, because of things that have happened in his regime, he go make like you do something, you make a put down, you do something, then you become criticize somebody on that same thing you do. Then we'll actually say what moral rights you get. You really don't get any moral rights, even though you have a right to your opinion. You develop. So all I am saying is these little little events to me will not put him in a very solid position in terms of like posterity judging him. You know where they come from. So I'm, I'm just using this as a personal opinion yeah, about- to, segue, yeah, to segue into how, because Charlie, at the end of the day, the way we all see in Kuma, it is, it is mainly because of what the books and the media had fed to us. Prior to this government trying to push their JB Dankwa agenda, Nobody really gave a hoot about him. You remember where they come from, and still don't. Yeah, and and if 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 you are someone who gives into history, you can look into. It be recently with these excesses of this incumbent thing and detention and people they talk say he wasn't a right leader. That is because I mean there's there's, there's supposed to be a room for um how do you call it arguments and all of that. But all I am just saying is. Charlie, 10 years from now, kiddies go learn about the man. And people who critically look into this, these factors will not give him a solid position. But Charlie, that be my personal view. And um, I oh. wouldn't go too much into that. Prince, you, I will come to you. I wouldn't go too much into that. But I guess I just want to find out how you think posterity and posterity not being you. Let's say 20, 30 years. How you think? I understand. I understand. People, I understand. Yeah, I understand. As how you think people are I understand. going to but, but before, 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 there's something, there's something that will really feed into um, my answer, right? So before I, I answer, I beg you, please allow me to ask just one question to those okay. who, who have the answer, all right? Yeah. What exactly, this is one part of history that I am hopelessly lost on. What exactly happened with the Abacha money? Because my what I have I read slash heard, <laughs> yes, what I have read slash heard is that Abacha stole a lot of money from Nigeria and he made a personal gift of five million dollars to Jerry Rollins, who took the money. Is that the case? Let's see. Yeah. Go if you talk about that. Well, what I know is that he needed Rollins to is it? Lobby on his behalf or something. I mean, with the international community, you know, Rollins was a dictator, but he kind of still had some support from the international community. Not as much as he would have wanted, but did. And um, I think uh, what I read was that Abacha needed him to help him because Nigeria was under some very heavy sanction. It mm-hmm. didn't sell 
Yeah. 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 Um, because of the sanctions, he tried to huh? keep money, you know, in certain places, not necessarily to steal it. Because, I mean, he didn't really have much for himself in terms of properties. Why would someone steal money and not acquire, you know, things for himself? I don't know, it might be false, but what I read was that he was just trying to, you know, like keep some safe money in certain places for Nigeria. So, so what's the issue? What's the issue with Rollins? What's the issue with Rollins there? What's the issue there? I guess the issue probably maybe is he denied it vehemently, and then later on in his life he accepted it. it I think that's the issue, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Later he accepted that he's like he said it wasn't five million; it was two. Okay, but why and is it such a blight? Why is it such a blight on his legacy? Because the, and the reason I'm asking this is because it appears to me that with all other heads of states and all, all other presidents, right, mm -hmm. you have allegations of corruption that involve them and their country's money. You mm -hmm. understand? Every every administration has had like one standout one. With mm -hmm. Kofor, I think it was Hotel Diwawa, yeah, right? Hotel Diwawa, um, yeah. With Mahama. I don't know whether it's the Ford expedition or, Mama, or whatever uh, government government <laughs> government official one. I don't know. I don't Let's go back to go I'm not done. With with um with Nanado, it is um PDS slash Ijapa, right? So everybody has everybody has like an allegation of corruption yeah. that involves their country's money. But when I look at Rollins, I feel like the standout thing about Rollins, I'm not saying that's the only thing. I don't want to be misinterpreted. The standout thing about Rollins is that he took another country's money that was gifted to him by that country's this thing, which is not right. But why is this such an enduring thing? Like, I guess I you guess understand. It's not like you rob his. I guess that's not really the only yeah, standout thing. Yeah, I think I. I think Leslie said something about um, it wasn't mm -hmm. a man of contradiction. And I think that has to play because mm -hmm. if you champion property and accountability, mm -hmm. okay. clearly, if you are a corruption crusader, property and accountability, okay. Okay. that's where okay. people, you know, but that, yes, that's where people have a that's key, fair. you know, issue. I think Rollins, I, I think Rollins on his that's own, fair. probably have one of the, but on his own and Atamil's have probably fewest corruption allegations level towards them personally but when yes. you are a head of state and your people you spread the people that um, partake in corruption clearly the backs of software yeah so if that's yeah. going to take the for not being able to have people who were corrupt and in indulge in acts of corruption with that we cannot that separate sense. the leader from the from the, from the government that's that's true that's true that's okay yeah. all right um so how would how how do i think posterity would judge Rollins? Now, I'm going to disagree with Leslie for a bit here. Mm -hmm. I think that Rollins and um, and Krumah are actually quite, quite, quite alike. They are both strong men. They are both dictators. Um, wow. They are both quite charismatic. They are both, they are both quite charismatic. They are both populist. They both lean towards a Marxist, Leninist 
um, um, tradition. Yeah. Um, and they are both, they are both, listen to this, they are both, and this is very, very important, they are both political opportunists. Okay? If, yeah. like Komo was saying, if you really go into the history, you find like people like, you find that people like W.E.B. Du Bois and the yeah. other Pan-Africanists of his time, when they were all at um, Lincoln, most of mm-hmm. them didn't like Nkrumah because they considered him um, an opportunist. And some people have defended Nkrumah in saying that it's not that he was an opportunist, but that he would do whatever it took to ensure that his people were good. And this is also, for the, for the, for the most part, how Rollins thinks. You understand? The difference between Nkrumah and Rollins is that whereas Rollins is a six-form lever, and so does not have knowledge of macroeconomics and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Nkrumah was actually quite educated. So Rollins relied on the people around him like Chris Atim and, uh, and the right. Chikatas, exactly, yeah. the Ahoys. He relied on those people to lead the, the ideological uh, uh, movement of his government, you understand? Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he and Nkrumah are actually separate. I, I don't think they're actually quite different. And truly, the reason, this is also key, the reason Nkrumah's legacy endures to this day is J.J. Rollins. Because when J.J. Rollins came into power in 1981, newspapers were bad from saying anything bad about Nkrumah. You couldn't. He had that space burial for Nkrumah. I'll let him talk. Let him finish. <laughs> he had, he I'm not saying your mind he talked, but let him finish. <laughs> he, had that, he, had that, he had that state burial for Nkrumah and he sought to model himself after Nkrumah and when you seek to model yourself after somebody you make them out to be an angel and if 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 I don't know if you guys know this but during the campaigns I think the Dankwa Buzia tradition tried to do one or two things to um, um, go against Nkrumah mm-hmm. and it's something that endures to this day even now the MPP tries that and then the NDC says no and the reason is because when during the formation of the NDC, the NDC was made up of three parties, I think three main parties. One was called the NCD, and the two others were CPP factions. Mm-hmm. They were breakaway CPP factions that came together to form the NDC. You understand? So when you try to model yourself after somebody, you make sure that that person is Jesus, and then you are junior Jesus. You get it. 10 years from now or 20 years from now, Rollins will still be a very, very polarizing person. You will still have people who treat um, um, him who see him as the devil and you will still have people who see him as uh, the angel much in contrast to how Nkrumah is almost universally considered the greatest figure in Ghanaian history I don't think Rollins will have that I think what we are seeing today is exactly what it will be in the next 10-20 years because the people who teach the history of the next 20 years are we we that we are here True. We are the same people who teach the history, and we are we are the same people who are going to teach the history from our perspective because that's how history inherently is. You understand? So I don't think anything will change in the next ten or twenty years. Okay, all right. Charlie, Leslie, as I yeah. said, Charlie, you are an Nkrumahist. He um, made certain comparisons. I, I want to find out your view of that before we move to David Tego and then we end this episode. So, do you agree with him with no, most I of the comparisons? Okay. I disagree. As I said earlier on, after, um, let's say, Busia um, was overthrown, I feel like from then till now, Ghana has been looking for another Nkrumah. And so Nkrumahism has been something that people just ride on for power, including Rollins. Rollins, as I said, is a contradiction. 
he does the opposite of what he preaches. When you take socialism, for instance, I don't see anything socialist about Rollins' rule. He 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 privatized everything that was left from when Nkrumah left us. Mm-hmm. He privatized almost everything, including um, the Obuasi mines and all those things. Mm-hmm. So if you preaching socialism doesn't make you a socialist, it's practicing socialism that makes you a socialist. True. Also. When you say he was a dictator, I disagree. Rollins ruled by decree. Nkrumah governed according to a constitution. Rollins, Rollins did whatever he wanted. Nkrumah had a constitution. Whenever he felt he needed any powers, he went through the right procedure to, to get the parliament to give him that power. And so that's very different from being a dictator. Nkrumah never existed. How, how is it? Okay, yo. How's, how's, I don't, sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to catch you. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Continue. he's saying he's saying uh, Rollins ruled on a decree. Nkrumah needed parliament's yeah. approval because what he said. I but want that, to go into facts like the preventive detentive acts. Normally, when yeah, we talk about it, we, we think that he just got up and vetoed that, but it was an act that was approved by yeah. parliament. Even with the one-party states, he uh, had a referendum, and Ghanaians approved it. Some claim it was rigged, but I don't know how you can claim something is rigged if the opposition boycotted it. In um, is it ninety two or ninety six? NPP boycotted parliamentary elections. Yeah, ninety two. You can't say because NDC had a large majority in parliament, it was rigged. The opposition boycotted it. What did you expect? Okay. And for me personally, I think um, where you can find some similarities between Nkrumah and Rollins is. The fact that they both believe multi-party democracy is not the way for us. Mm-hmm. And I I agree with them. But you see, Rollins was, as I said, he got to a point, he just moved wherever the wind was blowing him. He was opposed to the multi-party system, but he was forced to implement it. Do you think Nkuma that would do you not 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 let do you think that the wave of coups that was happening? Do you think that that was like a factor for that decision? Because I guess Charlie, you have to give him his accolade. He's a smart man. He's a really smart man. Because do you think that 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 played into the fact that he feels we had to move into a multi-party democracy? That's what I'm saying. Now, Rollins was unprepared for leadership. He didn't understand how systems work, how governments works, how anything works. He was just a soldier who felt like. The politicians are not doing enough, and he took over. But that's what he, Prince, but, but not, but that's what Prince was feeding on earlier in the episode that he knew he the fact that he was but, incapable and a sit form leader. That is why he took the possible trades and the hoys and the. Yes, uh, I'm not for leadership. Okay. go for it. Well, well. Him. I, I don't think Rollins himself had any ideology. He just went with whatever would, you know, whatever was popular at the time. Wow. And I believe at the time, Ghana was looking for another Nkrumah. And so he wrote on Nkrumah's, you know, whatever to get power. Now what I'm saying is, Rollins preached socialism. He wasn't a socialist. Rollins was a dictator. Nkrumah wasn't. I don't, apart from their belief that multi-party system is not going to work for us, I don't see how they were similar. And um, even with Nkrumah, his 
idea of what would work for Ghana was different from what Rollins did in terms of the political, you know, system. Nkrumah mm-hmm. wanted a one-party state, like China. With a one, he wanted it because one, there was a lot of tribalism and all, you know, those things. He tried to stop tribalism by passing a law, the Avoidance of Discrimination Act, to um, ban parties that were based on tribes, for instance, the Ewe People's Party and those things. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they just renamed, they rebranded the parties, but still there was some form of tribalism. If you look at China, for instance, it's a one-party state. Mm-hmm. If you are going to China, if you are going to, if they, if you have elections in a one-party state, you'll be forced to look at the people contesting because they're all in the same party. Okay. My mother is my mother is solid NPP, like nothing will ever change her mind. We all don't know who's going to contest in 2024 or 2028, but she already knows where her vote is going. <laughs> but she will vote NPP. Yeah. <laughs> These are some of the things that I understand with multi-party system. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. In terms of development, yeah. there's no continuity. There's very little continuity in the multi-party system. Look but, at um Mahama started the YE, right? Yeah. The youth employment. Yeah. Now yeah. Akufado comes, he wants to employ, he wants to create jobs for young people. That's what he claims. And then he starts NAPCO. When you go on the NAPCO website, under the frequently asked questions, it says that the difference between NAPCO and YE is that YE is for both graduates and non-graduates. NAPCO is strictly for graduates. Which basically means that all those under NAPU still qualify under YE. Mm-hmm. But if he employs 100,000 young people under YE, in 2020, Mahama will man- mount a campaign platform and say, and tell those 100,000 people that I started YE and that's why you have jobs today. So, in order to not give Mahama that credit, he has started NAPU. So now we have two different institutions playing the same role focuses on youth employment. We are paying two sets of staff. We have we have two different directors all doing the same job. So the multi-party system is costly. And as I said, there's no continuity. It will drag us back. Okay. So um, let me push you back into it. Give us your simple take. How posterity is going to judge. He's going to judge um, Rollins. Yeah, before I, I come to take over. It depends on a number of things. Personally, I think this constitution, it depends on how long this constitution survives. I think wow. Rollins, he mostly gets credits because, yeah, 19, the Fourth Republic, he started. Once the, if there's a Fifth Republic now, mm-hmm. I think Rollins's um, image would diminish. I mean, people still remember him, but it won't be as much as we do now. Mm-hmm. He'll become like... you become like an- Ankara. Ankara. Ankara oh, yeah. and the other. Okay. Just like he'll still be a bit more popular. Yeah. But oh, I, I don't think so at all. Well, that's <laughs> my... <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see. So that's what yeah. you are saying, right? So yeah, so I, depending on what happens in the near future, it, it has a point this, to either yeah. suppress him in a global, in a historical politics. Come on. Yeah. Before yeah. you go, before you go to Tego, and I, I suspect Tego was going to address this, but just in case he, he doesn't, the existence of a constitution, every first year law student knows this. And um I I I I, yeah, I, I, I think that it is 
I think it is reasonable for um, Leslie. I think it is reasonable for Leslie to equate the following of constitutional procedures with constitutionalism, but it really isn't. All right. Even though Nkrumah ruled by a constitution, he is what law students call a constitutional dictator, because even though there was the existence of a constitution, there was no constitutionalism. Okay. Nkrumah had near. In Kuma had near absolute powers. If, as a matter of fact, there is a provision in our constitution that says that um, Parliament has no power to pass a law to alter the the decision, the effect of a decision of a court, which means that if you go to court, you and Leslie go to court to do a, have like a, a, a matter, right, and mm -hmm. say you win. Parliament cannot pass a law that says no. Leslie has won. You understand? And in Kuma used to get Parliament to do that. He had near absolute powers. You understand. And so the fact that he ruled by a constitution does not mean he's not a dictator. He's, he, was, he was definitely, by all accounts, a dictator. That's the first thing. The second thing is that both of them were, in fact, socialists. As a matter of fact, in 1981, when the PNDC came, first came into power, Libya and Cuba sent airplanes and shipments of food by the dozen. Now, the reason for Rawlings' ideological shift was because even though they were sending the food, it wasn't enough. They needed money from outside. And the Bretton Woods institution said that, well, we want to give you the money. We know you are struggling. We want to give you the loans, but we don't think you can pay. You understand? Because we look at your structures, we look at how poor the country is, we look at the fact that you are not exporting. We were exporting, but it was like people were smuggling, halabuli. We look at the fact that we are not exporting. We don't know how you are going to pay the money. So if you want us to give you the money, you have to demonstrate your ability to pay. And if, and this is how you demonstrate your ability to pay. And then they, they rolled out a list of programs. That's where the economic recovery program and the structural adjustment program, which required that we do a total turnaround from socialism. And the reason why we have to do that, I want to ask each and every one of you, if you were the leader of a country where there is a famine, there is a famine, there is a shortage of goods, you can't import because of a shortage of um, um, uh, forex. The international uh, uh, um, uh, financial system does not trust you because your predecessor just did Ethiopia policy. You understand? What are you going? To, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit in your ideology like certain ideologues on Twitter do and say, no matter what, this is my ideology, I'm going to stick to it, or are you going to do the practical thing? And Ronis, at the time, in hindsight, is a powerful, it's a powerful thing. You can look back and say Ronis made a mistake, but at the time. He did what anybody would have done. And even though it proved to be a mistake years on, at the time, that is what anybody would have done because that was the only way that we were going to get money. You understand? So if you look at the fact that in the beginning, he stayed the socialist cause. He stayed the socialist cause in the beginning, but it, it didn't work. It, it literally didn't work. And people were hungry. People were dying in hospitals. And he had to do something. That is why he, there was the, the there was the ideological turnaround, and finally okay. to um, um, Leslie's finally to Leslie's um, thing about the multi-party system. I don't think that I understand everything Leslie has said, and he's right. But I don't think the solution is to jettison the multi-party system. I think that there is a, a system of decentralization that can solve their continuity problem. I also think that you can. I mean, to the way it is implemented right now is optimal. There's also okay. a way that the people have thrown around this idea about an independent development agency uh, made up of um, um, uh, uh, stakeholders from everywhere that will have this own system of succession. I don't know how, how we can insulate that body 
from the exigencies of um, multi-party politics. But I think that in principle, if, if one were to be innovative enough, one would find a way to do it. You understand? If it has its own system of succession and all that. So those were the, the, the three. Oh, finally, the feelings of the PNDC were not down to Rollins. He inherited the worst uh, 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 country of any leader in this country. Nkrumah was flushed with cash. <laughs> Nkrumah was flushed with cash. Buzia was given a lot of money by the imperialists. Um, the, then you had this, the, the, the coup d'etats of Ichampo and Co. Who left the country in shambles? So, so you are saying Rollins did a better job when, than all of them? When the PNDC... No, I'm not saying Rollins did a better job than... I'm not saying Rollins left the country better than anybody has left the country. I'm saying that where Rollins took the, the country from and where he left it, there's a, there's a huge gap between where he took the country from and where he left it. And that gap is not as big with everybody else. Nkrumah actually left the country worse than he took it. Far worse than he took it. Okay. You understand? You so, know what? Let yes, me not cut you. I guess that... Um, yeah, that's, we, that's, that's, that's Wait, I guess that this to our listeners too. I think that I would need Leslie and Prince only on the show to talk about this another time. I guess, a, yeah, I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a thing that they are both passionate about. But also, let me. It'll just, be very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. yeah. I, I also, Charlie, let's let's not also forget that Charlie, back in the day, you either had to side with either communist or socialist or capitalist because if you do your work, yeah. you won't do some way. Then go we'll kill you instantly. So that was also another issue of the day. Make a take, give take, take. I think history. To an extent, deserved Rollins. I think the Fourth Republic deserved Rollins. People would say otherwise, but um, there's always a person that comes in once in every hundred years. So I think our charismatic leader that we had was Rollins. The good, um, I think we, our country owes a few things Rollins, electrical, raw electrification, you know, BC, a few other things. But He's been one man, both sides of the divide have appreciated him. I think even some stores in the MP have appreciated him. I think over the years, it's watered down that bitter rivalry between Rollins and um, some persons in the Dankwapuzia tradition have watered down. Even he has had problems in his own part. But I think all in all, we are most likely grateful for this. I think that move ahead, I think that he said, yes, you largely be remembering the Fourth Republic. I mean, God forbid we have a Fifth Republic. <laughs> that would be this constitution being overthrown. But um, Leslie, Leslie, by and large, by and large, I think, by and large, I think, I think he's, he's, he's lived his life. He's, he has a legacy. We cannot take that away from him. And he's, he's done his best for multi-party democracy and in, in individual lives. I think Ron has touched a lot of people in different forms. Good, bad. So, I mean, we are good, but he's done his best. It's time to for the nation to move on in Yeah, 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 yeah. Charlie. And yeah, on that note, as I said, we cannot deny the legacy this great man has had on our nation. He's the second best of Nkrumah. So oh okay, really? You didn't rate him like that. Wow. Oh yeah. Okay. Not because he was too good, but because the bias quite yeah. I agree. I agree that he I agree that he's the second best after Nkrumah, not because he has, not because he, he did, uh, he has left the country so much that he, he turned Ghana into Wakanda, but because of where he took the country from and where he left it. The gap is too wide. 
Nobody else has that gap. Nobody else. All right. Yeah, so boom. We are done with the episode. We'll see you guys next week. It's a wrap. This has been a Gold Coast Reports production. Embassy Ensemble in here I got my man Optics in here